Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. My name is Nils Tudor and I am the creator, editor and host of the grant. The grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. Today I am exploring the corner of idea development for EIC Accelerate proposals. Through LinkedIn, I got in contact with Sandra Anich, who is a business development manager in the Croatian Grants Consultancy Company, Aestas Consulting. In this exchange, Sandra shares with me, and all of you, how to unfold the technology concept that you have developed into a full proposal concept, how to understand the lab test concept, how to fold out a strong business model and market analysis, and what tools you can use for this. And basically, how to calibrate the technology idea into the EU Commission's frame. All people working on EIC accelerator proposals will get something out of this. But also people working on Horizon Europe Pillar 2 proposals will have a lot of good, strong takeaways. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Grand Podcast, the EU funding podcast. One and only still. I keep repeating this in every every intro because I haven't found a competitor yet. Um, or compliment, complimentary podcast. Anyways, I'm still here alone in the podcast world, uh, delivering some uh, content on EU R&D funding to all you dear listeners out there. I am having a small break in my timeline series today. I am digging a little bit into idea development together with a guest. I will uh, get back to in a second. So in this in this initiative, as most of you have realized listening to it and following it, I'm building up a universe. And part of it is making some serious thematic series. And part of it is having interesting guests on board to digging into different parts of EU R&D funding. That's where we are today. And we are in the corner of developing nice ideas, intriguing ideas uh, for Horizon Europe or other proposals that can be intriguing enough to get the grant or at least be the major part of getting the grant. Now, I'm not going to continue uh, just sitting and speaking here alone when I have a guest on board. That's not nice. So, Sandra, welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Niels, and uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. I, I have to admit this is my first podcast, and uh, it's quite an honor, and I hope we're going to have a good time today, and I hope uh, our listeners are going to find some value in, in what I'm going to be saying and what both of us are going to be discussing. They will. So the, <laughs> the thing is the the way the way my 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 method of of picking up people or guests for my podcast because I'm not getting any requests yet. I just got my first request a couple of days ago for being a guest on my show. So still um it's such a green initiative, a young initiative, so I'm I'm still the one that has to reach out to people. But the way I do that is to uh, use LinkedIn and the flow of information running through then posts and uh, I have made sort of a methodology of screening things uh, noticing interesting things coming around and you're one of them 
<laughs> wow. Um, I think uh, uh, I think the the main reason I'm going to go back a little bit uh, as to why people are probably not reaching out is uh, yeah the podcast is is quite uh, new in the field of EU grants and I think we're um, all a little bit shy on actually uh, expressing ourselves and and how to actually approach those uh, uh, projects, but. Um, as long as, uh, you know, all of us just keep our focus on uh, delivering the best possible value for, for those that we serve, I, I, I think that we do, we do achieve that uh, value through our posts on LinkedIn, through, through the projects that receive funding and, and all of that. But thank you so much for the compliment, really, uh, as far as the LinkedIn content goes, uh, for sure. Sure, we'll get back to that probably. Um, but first, without further ado, um, can you present yourself a little bit for the listeners? Um, where you work, uh, how you work with EU projects? Yes, sure. Um, so, um, my name is Sandra and uh, I am originally from Croatia. And uh, I've been with the EU funds and EU grants already for uh, 10 years, uh, more than 10 years actually. And um, I started um, actually with, uh, with infrastructure. And that was way back when uh, Croatia was still in the pre-accession stage uh, with the EU uh, and with the, with the grants uh, in general. And so uh, back then, uh, as a really young, uh, young uh, project manager, especially in the field of EU funds, um, I was uh, responsible for a large infrastructure uh, projects uh, such as uh, roads and, and sewage systems and uh, fire escape routes and, and such. So um, from infrastructures is where I actually moved um, slowly towards uh, manufacturing uh, industry and helping um, those uh, companies uh, achieve new equipment, new technologies, new machinery for advancement of their own businesses. And actually it was uh, uh, a big project uh, for a manufacturer that led me towards innovations. And I've been uh, with innovations already since 2016, I would say. And I found myself here. I'm really home when it comes to innovative products, services, technologies. I was uh, recently certified by MIT uh, for the design thinking methodology, which is really, really helpful when it comes to thank you when it comes to developing the idea. And I'm I'm literally saying developing an innovative concept from scratch. Uh, when when you are just uh, you know looking at your environment and trying to figure out is there a problem at all uh, in the space that I'm trying to uh, innovate, um, so um, that's kind of uh, my background with uh, the EU funded projects, and we are um, definitely looking forward to um, bringing in our expertise a lot of uh, those projects that are going to be connecting multiple uh, EU member countries and, and uh, just overall those, those big projects that have a bigger impact uh, on, on the community, for sure. 
Um, Sandra, is there any, do you, uh, in the work you do, do you do full proposal development or do you work together with people where you take parts of the process or how does that work? Well, we are definitely uh, keen on uh, following through with the project from the very start till the very end. Uh, we're not um, taking on projects that are dealing with uh, either oversight or maybe just bits and pieces. Um, we do like to be here from the moment that an idea pops up And we do like to steer the idea towards the EU proposal, actually write it down and, and prepare it for application, apply it, and then um, stick around through the implementation and the post-implementation period. So once we are <laughs> locked down by a client, I always tell them, you're going to be living in a short marriage period with us. So <laughs> I hope you made a good choice <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, we definitely like to see through the entire project. That's how, that's how we fill up our batteries and that's how we um, definitely pull most out of the, out of the experience because uh, it's only then that, that you can actually understand how powerful and impactful EU funds are once you see the implementation. That's, yeah. that's the meaning of everything. So this is uh, pretty standard for consultancy companies, but what I was thinking is uh, how you work, you know, mm -hmm. your, your part in the process. Do you do everything? If you get a, a lead in, a, 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 if you get a proposal in, you need to develop. Mm -hmm. do, you t do you yourself personally take it from point a to set or are you working together with people where you take have a responsibility for some parts mm -hmm. of the process and how does it mm -hmm. well uh, within our organization uh, the way we work we are definitely um, um, divided into small uh, project teams per project and okay. that's how we uh, attack definitely And we've realized that um, that's the best possible way just because then we have key people uh, that have specific expertise within the EU proposal to tackle different uh, areas of, of, yeah, of just writing out the application. Um, because um, you really need to look at the proposal from the technical viability side Um, from financial viability as well, and then if the market is there, if it's real, if we if it can be commercialized, so those are all very specific um, expertise and and knowledges, and uh, um, yeah, um, just overall um, technical um, aspects that different people need to have for for application to be su success. Yeah. Um And what's your key capacity in this yourself? Um, I'm definitely uh, uh, more involved in the project at the very start. Um, I like okay. to um, just build up the overall architecture of the project so mm -hmm. that the team that's going to actually be working on it has a structural overview 
and has uh, uh, data synthesized in a way for it to be readable and for it to be accessible from one max to um, pages. Uh, so this is a, uh, a big challenge. Uh, this, this was a big challenge for us, but um, we managed to develop this um, methodology that helps us understand what is the overall goal, even though it's kind of uh, self-explanatory, but actually it's not. When you talk to clients, they have a different mindset on what the actual overall goal should be. Um, we can definitely capture data on uh, the specific problem. And mind you, when we are looking at a specific problem, we we're just not... We're not just looking at it from a perspective of what is the European Union um, trying to solve. So it's not only about that, it's also connected to the niche of the product itself. So that's really important to have a good understanding of what is the problem because if we want to commercialize something, that then uh, the, the problem needs to be connected to the niche. And um, more importantly is what is the technical solution of the product that we are trying to commercialize and uh, deliver to the market. So uh, product and technical solutions are not the same um, thing. So uh, product is uh, a whole design and the technical solution is just maybe a small part of it. And that's where R&D type EU proposals are just great uh, in financing just that specific stage of product development. So once we, uh, once we understand what is the technical solution, we are actually looking into key functionalities uh, of, of the solution. And this is where it gets really challenging because um, for a lot of founders, uh, a lot of uh, uh, stakeholders that are involved in the technical solution, key metrics for those functionalities are really difficult to um, present at this stage because if we're looking at the R&D uh, um, type project, they are uh, in a blank field. Um, and so they do know that they have certain components that they can uh, bring together and they are just trying to test out if those components will actually produce any result, not just some result, but we still do need those metrics. Otherwise, we can't pinpoint what is the unique selling point. So we always, always, always uh, put in a lot of effort into checking uh, what are the um, alternative technologies, what are the substitutes to, to those uh, solutions so that we can kind of uh, gauge how do we need to be better and how can we be different um, uh, in that way. And so those key functionalities is, and those metrics is what we track throughout the activities, how they change when we are in an R&D uh, project. And that's what is moving us through TRL um, level, level, yeah, the, the TRL ladder, I would say, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you now. Mm -hmm. Because you are you're bridging very, very uh, directly into the content that we uh, will dig into. That's good. So now you you started uh, talking about TL levels, different technologies and results and so on, how how the difference is there. But let's just 
Let's just so this we need to talk about our gear development. You said you said this is your uh, this is your key capacity. Uh, you have MIT mm-hmm. uh, degree. Mm-hmm. So let's just let's just let's just let's just first look at how you work with this as a consultant, or maybe you you give yourself maybe you introduce it yourself a little bit, and then we dig into the details. Mm-hmm. Well, um, most of the time, um, obviously, clients approach us for a specific reason um, in order to apply for grants. But um, as soon as they um, discover how we work um, as consultants and um, what we can do, it actually evolves into helping them uh, find their um, ideal market and helping them actually develop uh, the first year of their um, of their business, and so um, a heavy a heavy part of how we work is also um, connected to how to go to market and how to actually set up the let's say one of the two most important processes that every business in the first. Um, a year needs to have really, really solid. Those are sales and marketing. Um, and when it comes to innovations, um, obviously those strategies are going to be very different if we're talking tangible products or if we're talking digital products. And um, to have a really clear understanding on how to set up this uh, strategy, strategy it's really uh, uh, all about understanding the, the key metrics of, of the product, what it can actually deliver uh, and what the benefits are so that we can help um, our clients actually monetize uh, and uh, yeah, achieve what their KPIs are and what they have set out for themselves uh, once they move past the, the, the funding so the entire uh, actually relationship with our clients doesn't end with uh, EU funding process at all. It, it continues uh, and it evolves. And then um, if we started with, uh, let's say, a POC level funding, we uh, transfer that towards building a prototype that's ready for market funding. We build into a product that's ready for commercial for commercialization uh, type funding. And uh, after that, it's all about building capacity for production type funding. So it's uh, it's a really big opportunity to to see uh, how businesses are evolving and developing through EU grants. And those are really precious hands-on experiences that, that we have with our clients. So... Uh... The big challenge in this corner, so I've also been a private consultant myself, I've been in different corners. I've been a civil servant, uh, public facilitator, helping sectors and different uh, geographical uh, related stakeholders to access funding. And then I've been a private consultant, uh, uh, writing proposals or developing from scratch, which is most related to what we're talking about today. And the biggest challenge uh, in relation to EU funding and and clients, both research clients and industry, is to calibrate the idea they have to a strategic context that is related to what they do. But 
This will, of course, is not an issue if you're applying for the EIC, for the SME mm -hmm. uh, accelerator program, right? So first, because this is this, we need to um, we need to combine this. We need to have a focus here on idea development and theoretical and the things that you have have acquired of knowledge from from the things you have been doing and how you are doing that, uh, calibrating that together with the client. Mm -hmm in relation to the EU funding. Mm -hmm. So first, which kind of calls do you normally work with Horizon Europe? Is it is it strategic calls under the, the pillars or is it EIC or how is it? Well, um, uh, for the moment, we were uh, a part of a few uh, EIC um, projects um, that yep. we were uh, delivering. And um, what I have to say about the EIC is um, there needs to be a really, really strong level of data that shows that you can win the market. You yep. need to be one of the best out there. You need to be possibly all alone out there you need to be the most radical solution out there that you can be. And it's not just about writing it out as, as we uh, as consultants uh, are repeating and repeating. We cannot just write, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we're the best. <laughs> and yeah. um, also uh, marking up a competitive landscape uh, table within our projects or delivering it through, uh, you know, additional documentation is also not going to be the solely information for uh, evaluators to actually, yeah, believe us. So uh, it really needs to be a cross-examination of uh, a different set of uh, patent sources, different set of already funded projects. It needs to be a heavily... Uh, uh, heavily extended research, desktop research into what's going on out there. How are we really uh, being so different than anyone than anyone else? So that that was one of the biggest challenges when we were participating in those uh, EAC uh, calls. Yeah, and as a, as a sort of explainer to the listeners who don't know so much about this, so the EIC, that is the dedicated program for EIC accelerators. Called, it's the dedicated program for SMEs. Mm -hmm. And the program doesn't have any strategic calls. It's uh, that you can do... <laughs> ah, I think they changed it a little bit from back from FP7 on. So they, there is areas. So they've divided them into overall areas where you energy climate and so on right mm -hmm. and then but you don't have you don't have guidelines of topic detailed guidelines of what you need to apply for it's more it's within an area mm -hmm. a strategic overall area for the commission mm -hmm. and so that's important so in terms of this talk the most of it we're going to have today for you, for you dear listener is a is a setting where you don't have to calibrate your idea into a strategic context so that's that's that 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 we can put aside. But what you do need, and what Sandon knows much more about me, because he's been writing these things. It's been a long time since I've been dealing with SME proposals. But what you do need uh, in these proposals is that you need to shape 
your business model needs to be super sharp. Uh, you need to have a very innovative idea that you that really you can convince that this is going to open up new markets, gonna going to step step over the uh, the borders. What is need? What is possible now? And you, yeah, it's uh, you can even. Uh, continue much more than me, Sandra. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would actually like to touch base on the business model. Yeah. And um, what I notice is um, whenever we, whenever we approach clients and, and we talk specifics, um, the business model is usually we are going to charge less or the business model is like, if it's a software, the business model is going to be, we are going to offer trial versions, or if it's a tangible product, yeah, we're gonna use, um, uh, let's say a network of distributors, um, but the business model really needs to capture so much more than just how are you going to charge your clients, right? Um, uh, what we like to use for that, and I'm sure it's not a novelty, but that's just one of our tools that we really love, love using. It's the business canvas. So the business canvas is uh, really just a, a, a simple tool that you can uh, use. And once you fill out all the, the fields in the business canvas, you have a really, really good source of uh, uh, information and data on how is the client actually going to win uh, the market. And mind you, um, there are so many other uh, methodologies, uh, uh, let's say uh, strategies on how to actually charge your clients and win the market over other than just free trials for a software. Um, if I can even share uh, what I have learned just recently um, is the reverse trial model, which uh, not a lot of uh, users our founders are even uh, familiar with. And the, the, the baseline of a reverse trial is that in the freemium version, let's say, uh, you charge the basic features for a very low cost and then um, you pay extra as a user for the premium features. And then in the trial period, you get everything for free for a certain amount of, of time. And uh, if you want to continue using, you have to start paying. Where in the, in the reverse trial, you are given the premium features right away and you are uh, being charged just the premium price. So the user is actually just paying a, a, a little bit for you to stay afloat, but the user is also using the product. So he's developing kind of a stickiness to it and yep. he's actually giving you feedback. And so it's a lot easier for them to convert. So those are just, uh, uh, that's just one of the examples where we can uh, really use some uh, different uh, methodologies on how to, uh, how to charge. But, but the business canvas is really going to lay out for you um, who are your partners in your business what is the, 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 the connection to the customer? How are you going to make the customer really fall in love with your product? How are you going to uh, organize your revenue streams? Uh, which costs are going to be included? Because a lot of the times in the business, in the business model, um, 
we just don't see enough how the resources are going to be used in which processes and how are those processes going to benefit the end customer. The thing is, uh, whenever we are uh, trying to present a project and trying to present the idea, we always need to be emphasizing what is the benefit for the end user. And as long as we are keeping track uh, of that, the, the, the whole um, um, baseline, let's say the, the, the um, yeah, I would say the a baseline of the, of the proposal evokes a different type of emotion with the evaluator. It just, yeah. it just makes him connect with your product because of the end user, not just because you wrote out so many great technical features. No. Yeah. Um, dear listener, you need to you need to have your eyes wide open now, because the <laughs> the canvas what what Sandra is saying here, what she's sharing with you, this is uh, this is a very very important tool. If you haven't heard about it before, you should indeed pay very much attention because it is a a great tool in in idea development. We also used it in my former work. I haven't used it myself so much, but so let's just here for the reminder part of this recording, let's just take step by step. So the, when you, what kind of methodology do you, is that your main tool, the canvas model? When you, when you, when, when you have a client coming saying we have this, Uh, but we need to develop it further into, you know, like it's, it's just an idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that your main tool, mm -hmm. the canvas model? Um, definitely not. Um, but mind you, I would just like to stick around and, and uh, shortly uh, give information uh, to our listeners. If you follow through with the business canvas, it can easily translate into processes that you will be following in the first three years of business. So once you set up the business canvas, it easily translates into processes and tasks and activities that yeah. you will be uh, paying close attention to in the first three years of your business. But back to your question, um, is that the only tool, the only uh, methodology? Ab absolutely not. Um, uh, and that's a really great question. Um, as far as uh, innovative projects and EU grants and proposals such as uh, Horizon and EIC and, and those that are here in Croatia, they, they require from us to present how the product is moving through the technology readiness uh, level phases, right? And so it always needs to start somewhere on the, on the TRL and it needs to finish somewhere on the TRL. So uh, for us, it's really important to capture the, the right starting point and the right ending point of the product. And um, how we actually do that is um, uh, the first and foremost obvious question for the client is like, what have you done so far? So what do you have? And most of the times they, they think they have nothing, but then we discovered that they are actually in a very rudimentary uh, prototype uh, stage and that we can actually apply for, for funding. And a lot of the times they think that they have a product, but then uh, upon inspecting the, the proof uh, of, the, of the prototype, we realize that there's not much to it. 
But um, as I was saying at the beginning of the, the, the podcast, um, we do like to start with identifying the technical solution within the product and what are the key metrics of the product itself. So um, it's not so much in uh, as identifying at this moment how crazy innovative it is or how much of the market we can capture and win. For us, it's really, really important to understand what's going to be happening down the road once implementation starts. So the tool that we use is a mental map of the project, which is actually just a um, architectural presentation of uh, what are we going to be doing, who's going to be on it, and uh, what expenses are connected to uh, that specific uh, role, to that specific task. And um, it kind of starts uh, at the top with uh, uh, having a presentation of what the technical solution is. And we branch out uh, in hierarchy uh, down into activities. So let's say we have a prototype that started um, as a proof of concept, right? So we're trying to get from proof of concept towards a product ready for market. So we do know that proof of concept is uh, something that has not been uh, made into a prototype. So we only know that we kind of did our research and we do know that those hypotheses can work. So we need to build our model in a lab. And once we say to our clients in a lab, obviously most of them just look at us, uh, uh, you know, as pale as they can be, thinking mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any access to a laboratory. And but once we translate that language into you know, yeah, you know, you're working in your basement and you have your computer desk and everything, and so you actually it's there where you're setting up your little machinery, your little circuit. And you're testing out if the wires even work correctly mm-hmm. in, yep. in this setting. And so uh, if that's uh, our first activity that we want to just connect all the components, we literally walk them through in their heads. How is it going to roll out by the end of the, the project itself? And it's really interesting uh, uh, to see how difficult it is for for them to um, uh, present all of that in a non-technical language yeah it's always like this so but so basically what you do is you try to you shake them out of the world so they have the thing but then you say this is what you need to be able to if you need to apply for funding for this Mm. Uh, shake them out of the world and then they they get weary and then you translate it into into their eyes so to say so they can see okay this is what i need to do this is that's a lab okay that can be my basement mm. uh, this is what i need to do to test that's the test phase and i can do that like this and so on so they get uh, get a calm stomach about mm. it yeah. mm. exactly and um uh, and then uh, each activity needs to move the product at least for one trl you know each activity uh, needs to do that. And the outputs, the outcomes of each activities are the ones that we need to regularly check 
if we are aligned with the uh, with the proposal. So if if we're moving away from the proposal, then we can easily identify uh, that we're just not a good match. We're not a good fit. So we're not going to be wasting energy, time, God forbid, money, and uh, to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess that's also what I used to do, uh, which any good consultant should be able to do is to 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 be able to say to a possible class that this is not a project. Mm. You know, I, I cannot. This is not something I can. I'm gonna waste it. We're gonna waste each other's time, and you're gonna waste your money on <laughs> on me doing something that will never get you know like anything. So they say, don't do this. But 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 maybe if you do this and this and get back in a year, then we can have another talk. Mm. Um, so yeah. So do you? Would you then combine? So you've done this, mm-hmm. and okay, let's just say then you have you have the you have sort of a skeleton of something where so this can be something that mm. could be a solid proposal and hence <laughs> a good project uh, for the client. Um, do you then next phase, do you then go in and use the canvas model where it's much more detailed on what what is needed from, mm-hmm. so what do we have, What do, where do we need to go, which kind of mm-hmm. elements are needed to reach that, is, is that how you work? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, this overall structure of the project is um, um, uh, definitely uh, the best tool that helps us in the next two stages. And um, because we have the entire uh, architecture of the project, we can identify by one glance over, over it, who's going to be a part of it. And obviously we are looking for um, just um, people who have the expertise and skills to be a part of that activity to be able to handle those tasks. And I do know that it looks and it sounds really simple in terms of, uh, well, of course, I'm going to put an engineer on the on the activity where we are building our prototype. But let me tell you, there are so many nuances. And if we are building a prototype that is really um, heavily loaded with calculation engines, with uh, AI, uh, with um, uh, so many different uh, machine learning methods, then we really need to have a person who is heavily experienced with this. So don't just put in somebody who has in their CV, um, you know, a um, engineering uh, diploma or uh, informatics diploma, just because we feel like somebody that, you know, graduated from informatics is going to handle machine learning. So it's really a lot about the nuances. When it comes down uh, to um, actually awarding money for any project, it's all about those little details everything needs to add up so um and uh because we've seen so many um you know uh, projects that uh, clients come up and uh, to us and they're asking questions why were we rejected we had those competences we had those qualifications but once we connect those activities to that person those tasks to that person we actually realize that 
those are not the same languages at all. Um, so that's one of the key uh, activity that we do next. Uh, we identify who uh, from the organization is going to be working on the project. And if not, and if obviously if, if they don't have a higher hired employee already, then it's going to be new hiring or even outsourced uh, expertise, obviously. And then, then uh, after uh, identifying that, yeah, we obviously check for the expenses. We can, we add up all the expenses, and then we need to see how financially viable are we, and um, what is going to. Before we get, I want to put a marker here. Yeah. Because before we step into the the business modeling, mm-hmm. I'm just going to to stress to the listeners uh, practically the process of of sitting with with shaping of the project and I, identifying the activities because it's extremely tangible mm-hmm. and it's extremely concrete. Normally when you have, it's it's very, very often, exactly as Sandra has explained here, the client or the, the organization, the company or the, the university team, research team, they come with something and they have an idea of what needs to be done or what the project is about. And then you, sh- you you tell you then you help them and support them and build up. Say you need to do this actually also. Or this you cannot just do this. You need to have these and these and these elements mm-hmm. on board in, a, in in order to do this. Then you reach the part of the process where you sit down and that's the canvas exercise. I did it myself online with a a PowerPoint in front of me together with the client online like this, like you and me now. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at it and I put bubbles. Say, so look, so this is work package one. That's that's the activity there you need to do. Then work package two, this and two and this. Then under this, what you need to have this activity. You need to have this activity. You need to. Are, are there anything else? You, you brainstorm together with the client what is needed in the different corners, and then it starts to shape up. But what is what Santa is saying here <laughs> is that when you have when you have started to do that brainstorm and and shape up process which is extreme it's creative but it's also extremely um narrow uh, down to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you just seem you zoom in tunnel vision on what what is this problem they need to solve what are the things that needs to be done and then you come to who who can you do this so you go through activity from activity to activity and you go through the crossovers between the different work packages because you always have, have things that interwine. So you get, who can do this and who can do both this and this because we need someone who can bridge things here and here and here. This is so extremely important when you build a project, uh, project concept, no matter if it's an SME project. Or if 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 it's a big horizon uh, Europe uh, proposal, you need to be able to make it absolutely clear to the evaluator that all your capacities are super well covered. Everything you need to carry out the case to go and reach to what Santa is going to tell us about now the business model, because this is what it translates into. Because if you manage as a as a, a applicant to show that this Everything is a place. You know exactly what you need to do, and you know exactly who can do it, and you got the right ones there. Then you can start talking about the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just be- that's just because you and me we know what we're talking about. But I just need sometimes I'm I'm trying to um, to to just zoom out a little bit for everybody to be on board because not everybody knows so much about these things. It's like this. Mm, yeah. <laughs> 
So let so let's talk about the business model because that was what you were bridging into. Mm -hmm. Um, well, um, business model is uh, uh, not only a key component of uh, identifying if a business is going to succeed and, and be successful. Um, it's uh, the number one thing that any founder needs to have locked down and solid, solid. Um, whenever they're venturing out into new, um, let's say, either products or new businesses. And um, business model is, like I said before, not just about how you are going to make your money, but how are you going to reach your clients? How are you going to win them over? How are you anticipate? anticipating all the problems that might happen when you are entering new markets. So we're talking barriers. And, you know, um, what are the barriers? The world today is so globalized, there cannot possibly be any barriers. But let's think of those in a different uh, different way. You know, you, you, <laughs> you cannot, you know, expect to be selling any type of uh, pork in some parts of the world. Um, you cannot expect to be, you know, in the cannabis industry in every single part of the world. You cannot expect to uh, easily enter every single industry in this world. So um, definitely one of the, the, the most difficult industry to enter is uh, the microchip industry. So um, uh, if you really want to present that you have a great solution and that you really know how you're going to go to market and win the market, you really need to show that you understand um, how difficult it's going to be and what you can do to overcome that. So, um, uh, and, you know, uh, also um, what other um correlations are happening when you are um, developing an innovative product. Are you going to have to buy patents from somebody? Are you going to have to license te technology from somebody? All of that needs to be included because that's how you present to the evaluators that you have a 360 outlook on, on um, your success on your, on your business. So, uh, uh, the business model is a such a such a complex uh, uh, thing, but it's very 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 worthwhile to spend uh, deep work uh, on that uh, part of the project proposal. Yeah, and it's it's definitely something where you can. Uh, it's not just to 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 make a commercial for private consultants, but this is. This is this is where you really can get an added value of using a private consultant uh, like Sandra here, mm. to because they know they are doing this all the time. How to make an exact, uh, straight business model description of a proposal? Because one thing is you you might know how to do it in a in a normal commercial setting, but that's not this. It's not the same thing uh, as what the commission is asking. You have some different elements and it's very it's, it's schematic or you need that it's just there's some things that just needs to have there where some normally would get uncomfortable if they're only from the commercial world um where you need to understand how to describe things and how to angle it in a way that makes sense 
in 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 the EU mm. context, so to say. Uh, I had a uh, I've just been releasing uh, last week an episode on on the impact section mm-hmm. um, 2.1 with two of my old colleagues and 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 there one of the key uh, takeaways from that or that one of my guests Melanie mentioned is that you need to put on the glasses of the commission the commission's why why are they giving this money and you also that you also need to be able to to have that those glasses on the commission's why when you describe the business model uh, it is correct no mm-hmm, absolutely i would say um it is correct in a way where um the european union has its uh, set of uh, common goals and um if uh, you keep on repeating what is the value for the end user and those end users are common in let's say more than two or three member states then you are definitely going to be hitting uh major points with the, with the commission because they're, they're, they are uh deeply deeply involved in in uh, awarding those projects that can um, add value across uh, across Europe for sure. And um, yeah, we are talking uh, about digitalization and about the Green Deal and everything. Lately, it seems that that's the, the only thing we're talking about. Um, but um, there, there are a lot of uh, project proposals that are not even sure how to approach those two goals. Um, in a way where, yeah, but we have a digital product, so we are obviously in line with the the the, the green deal and with the EU taxonomy. But yeah. but everything is green. Yeah, everything is green in in that sense. Yeah. But then once I ask them, okay, so how are you signing off on any related documents there? But yeah, we're still printing. We need to print. Well, do you know that there are tools that can help you sign them off digitally as well, and they are actually uh, verified by the government and so those are the, the the things that can help you ensure that you are targeting uh, the the goals that the European Union is setting so it's not just about oh I'm, I have a green project or I have a digital project it, you can have you can have uh, either one of those and still ensure that you are locking the other one as well what are the key when you develop a business model what are the key elements that you the way you work with this mm-hmm. so yeah you need to make a, a market analysis you need to check your figures right mm-hmm. yeah, you need to really be sharp on your figures but you market analysis and the, the business prospects mm-hmm. uh, not just the analysis but also segments um but what else um, when uh, developing a, a business model, uh, the market research is always going to be heavily focused on the trends. Ah. So um, just because um, there is a lot of value in doing uh, uh, the research on what's the size of uh, a certain market or who are the key players and competition, 
but we are talking about something that's going to happen in the future. So we need to heavily focus uh, our strategies on what are the trends and what's going to be happening in the, in the near future. And mind you, also, um, we need to be really careful when we uh, um, go into market research. Uh, sometimes um, people do get lost here um, just because they, they feel like their product sits in this market um, but it really doesn't. And sometimes people feel that presenting, uh, you know, numbers uh, coming from another market is relevant, but then at the end, it really isn't relevant at all. Um, let's say you are dealing with a mobile fitness application and you're trying to solve a problem of uh, lack of uh, motivation you are uh, not going to be looking into the market reports on how the fitness apps are doing. You actually want to know why are people dropping out of uh, gyms. So because your main solution really needs to be connected to, to the, the, the market trends. So and that's how you want to tackle um, your uh, business model. And um, yeah, at the at the end of the at the end of the day, it's all about presenting hardcore strategies how you want to go to market, and this is uh, uh, this is really connected with uh, the marketing department, of course. But um, you need to understand the different uh, the different models. Will you be piggyback? writing on on an influencer's profile will you be uh, affiliate marketing what exactly are you going to be doing to win over and to uh, have the visibility that can help you generate uh, conversions and everything else so that, those are the 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 key um, yeah let's say aspects that we are trying to work on so that once the, the EU funding is over, the client still has an, a pretty solid blueprint on how to move forward. And this is also just to, uh, I've also, I always say, Sandra, to everybody who's here, they can shamelessly self-promote whatever organization they come from because I'm, a not, I'm an independent, I can do whatever I want. So I waste... I w I'm not. I'm taking people's time, yeah, uh, for joining. So by that they can also shamelessly self promote, <laughs> and you should. I can. I can. I can at least promote Sandra here a little bit. Say, look, and even even if you don't win the proposals, then she would have developed you a business model uh, that you can uh, <laughs> mm. that that you can take advantage of uh, commercially or at least try uh, if you don't get the funding. <laughs> Um, well, um, it, thank you for <laughs> inviting us to shamelessly uh, promote ourselves. <laughs> I have a hard time doing that, <laughs> but um, but I think um, I, I think uh, nowadays I have, if if I may, I have this personal agenda to actually uh, open eyes for all those, you know. Um, people stuck in their corporate world and trying to find their calling and trying to figure out what is the startup innovation world that that is uh, 
probably just passing them by. So, so that's kind of like my what my personal agenda these days uh, these days uh, is. So, um, in that way, uh, all of this uh, as methodology tools are just an excellent um, um, excellent set of uh, uh, knowledge uh, that can help uh, any individual to come up with uh, an idea, how to bring it in a new way to market, how to ignite that, uh, that business. And yeah, we can also check uh, EU funds and help you secure funding. So those are, uh, I guess... Uh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, I'm not going to shamelessly promote myself. That's not <laughs> you know what? The first many years of my career was a civil servant. And I became a private consultant shortly for about a year. And then I came back to being a civil servant within this world. And then again, back to private consultancy after some years. And, you know, seeing that shift, I realized how people view consultants, mm. private mm. consultants within this world. It's not, and I, I, I loathed, and I still loathe the way that segments of the R&D community, both public and private, perceive. Uh, private consultants, grants consultants. It's it's not considered. It, you have a large segment that they don't consider it anything. They don't want to pay anything, and they if anytime they hear "oh, you're a consultant," then they 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 shy away. Or they, it's I and I've seen consultants, good consultants, uh, put themselves in a corner like this. Of yeah, we also do charge a fee, you know. But leave me in peace, you know. When you 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 can pay tax consultants shitloads of money, you can t- pay management consultants shitloads of money for dealing with your business. But this, you're not prepared to pay consultants that can lift your business from from a, an average level to super level mm. uh, by developing is something that you do not have the creativity in your own capacity to deal with. They do that. Mm. That's extremely important and value mm. valuable, and I and and I I hate that it's supposed to be something that you put in a corner. You don't want to talk about that. We charge money for for the things that we do. So that's just a personal uh, personal. <laughs> oh, I I completely agree because uh, you know anytime consultancy is mentioned, sometimes the 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 overall feeling is like, oh, you are those uh, people that <laughs> do nothing and just charge. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, uh, uh, we are just in the same boat as, um, and I'm not, obviously I'm not uh, uh, moving towards, you know, demeaning anybody in any way. But these days, everyone think that they can be a fitness trainer and mm-hmm. everyone thinks yeah. they can be a waiter and a lot of people think they can be hairdressers <laughs> but if you really want to corona did that to us <laughs> <laughs> but if we are willing to stop looking uh, like it's still corona <laughs> then obviously we are going to go to the hairdresser and let the expert uh, handle it uh, we're not doing it because uh, uh, we think that we don't want to uh, pay money or anything. It's just if you want to focus on what is uh, core important to you and it's it's your business, then yeah, definitely uh, uh, let those who really know what to do help you out. And, and, and whenever you have on the other side anyone that's willing to help you out, don't even 
like don't even uh, you know uh, stress or worry about the money you know because a, a good consultant and I'm not trying to say this in any other way other than uh, there's always a way there's always a way so yeah and you and it's like it's not the grant consultancy business is, it's not different than anywhere else you have good people and you have bad people yeah uh, good consultants you have bad consultants you have people who are kind consultants but they're not in the right box so to say they should not have been one <laughs> and then uh, so it's like this uh, and then you have i've met in my professional career the grant consultancy company i work for the most brilliant people uh, most strong uh, people i've ever worked with i've saw there you know the, what they could do it was almost unimaginable if i haven't seen that before you know it was it was such a a a tornado of folks of 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 strength neurons that's just hammering on <laughs> in there in in a pace that I, I i could never really follow the, the maybe that's why i'm not working as a private <laughs> consultant anymore couldn't keep up with that uh but no it's um it's it's there's a lot to gain from working with private consultants in this in in this area really and uh, my last guests university people they said it themselves also which sometimes is difficult for university people to admit that private consultants can be good <laughs> uh in 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 this to help with and they you know like it's something that just makes things better yeah absolutely it's a, it's such an a, it's such a, a crazy bureaucratic machine and then also it's such a hardcore shark tank <laughs> the commission <laughs> uh, you need to have somebody that's excellent in both worlds and that's why we specialize this and that's why we study this and that's why we educate and we spend so many hours uh thinking through that we do the best that we possibly could have done and and that's what you are um, getting uh, yourself uh, value off of you know so And the thing is, anybody who has tried to write, a, develop a proposal, they know how rough the task is. It's I always I use the word rough because that is what it's really, really crunching work. It's it's um, and 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 that if you haven't especially clients who have not done it themselves and they have an idea of that, oh, but that's just, oh, but you have a week to write the proposal. What's the problem? <laughs> no, but you get this attitude sometimes, right? Mm. But the, 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 the work that it takes to develop a winning proposal or a good proposal that's not winning, any proposal, mm. it's, it's, it's such a rough work process, especially the last three to four weeks before submission. It's, um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a work that's heavily loaded with uh, just um, trying to identify is there anyone else out there like you? And in the first few months, we are just trying to identify where are you at fault, if we can mm -hmm. say it like that. And you are trying to find all the, you know, um, spaces and holes that you need to either work on or, or um, you know, uh, somehow amend or make better. 
but um, the the first period is just you know in a way attacking the client <laughs> to a point <laughs> to a point where you know um, all sorts of emotions can arise but it's always in the in the best interest of the project no Sandra, um, I can see you have a do you have a very sweet dog. Eh? I'm, <laughs> She's I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dog owner myself, but she <laughs> left because the family gave. She was lying here, and she would have done not exactly the same as she's doing there. But there were some sounds coming, and I could. There's a dog there because that sounds that my dog also makes. <laughs> I was I was really wondering. Oh my god, she fell asleep. She's snoring. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like this. Yeah. No. We should wrap it up. We have an hour under our belt now, so it's fine. It's been uh, been good, good sharing, uh, knowledge sharing on how to deal with these things. And uh, there are definitely other things to dig into. So I will get back to you. Are there any other things that you would like to dig into? Well, um, as far as uh, EU funds goes, uh, I would just recommend. Um, to get your courage on and try and try and try. No, no, no. And I'm talking about, is there a subject you want a new episode? Oh, yeah. new episode on a subject. I would definitely, um, I would definitely uh, be very, very interested in doing a niche development and how to attack a market fit product. Um, from the very uh, beginning, what are the necessary steps? And uh, those, uh, I think, components could be very, very useful for anyone in the SME sector uh, trying to go for EU funding. That would be my in, suggestion. In, 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 in what sector, once again? In the SME sector, in the private sector. Uh, so you would say more like a, a guide episode because this is it's been more like how do you work with these things and, and so so more like a step by step yeah uh, yeah good yeah definitely practical episode I'm gonna put it down here and then I'm gonna get back to you I have a lot start having a lot of, of leads I have a lot of fish lines out there but I always like to keep it put a hook in the people that I have to for any future conversations because it's it's nice to create a relationship there so um, that's that I always end up my programs with the toughest challenge hmm. the grand the toughest challenge Sandra what's the toughest challenge uh, idea development uh, the toughest challenge uh, you mean during uh, the, the project proposal assembly or overall hmm. Developing your idea development. It yeah. Broadly, you can it can be anything from from the overall things like to get your head around, or it can be very specific. Anything where you say, okay, that's that's a rough nut to crack every time. I would say capturing data from the stakeholders. Yeah, that's always a big one. Um, yeah. It's always. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Can we... Getting information from the yes. clients so you know what you're, what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and and yeah. and we are, you know, in in a position where we have this responsibility, and it's it's uh, it comes down to them having their goal of you know having this uh, project uh, be yeah. awarded. 
but then it seems as though <laughs> it seems as though it's really the biggest challenge is to just capture data from them. But we we yeah. and then there are all the the different methodologies. Uh, calling uh, all third parties possible, extracting data from all the different parts uh, connected to our client, um, doing interviews, recorded interviews, literally starting up voice recording on, on the phones. And so all the tools out there. And if you have any suggestions, I'm so <laughs> eager to hear anything <laughs> that could possibly alleviate this. This, uh, this, this is a huge challenge for sure. So to anybody listening out there, and if you're a pot potential client, you, you, you really need to know that like without you and your help and, and your data, because you know your idea best, we cannot do our job uh, great. So please help us out. <laughs> yeah, also discussed it with my with the last guest. Really? Impact. It's, it is, you know, uh, th this is a big thing, you know, like to get the information you need to make the proposal. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like this no um let's uh let's wrap it up sandos thank you so much thank you so much and yes i mean i'm so i was so super excited and i'm i'm still so excited and i'm you know i'm probably going to be you know i can't i will not be even able to listen to it so <laughs> i'm just of course you will. i'm just hoping that that um, some parts are going to be useful for those who are listening and that surely yes surely. i i really just hope that um who, whoever is going to stick around till the end of the podcast the tools that that were mentioned the business the business canvas and even this architecture if if anybody has any questions or feel free to 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 linkedin me or or what i'm so happy to help sure no problem what i normally do if there are information running through the program i make i have on my site mm -hmm. uh, i have a, a, a hop where i also share episode related links and so on so if you have any links mm -hmm. if you have anything information you can share with me that i can put there mm -hmm. um, i can also link to your linkedin uh, profile uh, to the company and so on these things please uh, share with me and then i will put it up uh, on on my site to to direct them to you okay thank you so dear listeners thank you so much for listening to the end it's a pleasure to make to run this initiative and it gets uh, better and better i get so many nice so much nice feedback from people out there please uh, by all means check out my website subscribe subscribing is the best way for me to build this initiative so you have any sympathy for me and what i'm doing don't mind you will get an email every week i'm sorry if you think that's spam <laughs> but I, the, the the but the email you get when there's an episode coming out but the, this is just the best way to build up a podcast community so so please by all means do that and then you can go and check out the hop that i just mentioned to santa also it's nice i tried to collect webinars from the commission i tried to connect co co collect the like participants polls or where to find funding just the, all the standard links that everybody uses in this world you can go there and find it and i tried to build it up as i go on uh, also connecting with people that have been guests here what they have been mentioning so that's that now um, thanks for listening to the end and hope you will keep following me on this initiative bye bye the great
have been listening to the grant, the EU funding podcast.